Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes. I'm Becky. And I'm Scott. And we have a really phenomenal guest with us today. We're quite honored to have this man with us. It's Paul Cactus Jack Lamar. In 2011, Cactus Jack sold everything of value that he owned in Australia and flew to the U.S. to break into the music industry. And by breaking, he meant actually breaking and he's going to share that story with us. You are going to love him. I think if we twist his arm a little bit, we'll get him to sing. It doesn't even hardly take a twisting. He no, loves he to loves sing. He loves it. Well, welcome, Cactus Jack. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's great. So it's been an honor to meet you, the both of you, and your vibrance and your light. And I'm grateful to be associated with you. Thank you. You know, I have to tell our audience, I, I met you back in, I don't know, 2012, something like that. You were singing at a fundraiser i think it was for women the, of a women of worth women of worth yes, yes that, a was woman my, of worth that was my very first public concert really was it really it was my very first one yes yeah. at the, at the um, texas roadhouse texas roadhouse, texas roadhouse. Yes. Wow. i was I'll trying to figure out how on earth am i gonna sing uh, and i think i sang some christmas carols and christmas songs and then i yeah. did some country Oh, and it, we had such a blast. Oh, that's awesome. I realized that was your first concert. I, yeah. I, was, I went over to that. I was, um, I was heading up uh, to Idaho for my first performance at the Idaho State Fair. And so you, they booked me just before then, and it was quite fun to show up. And I set up all the, the, the musical gear. We had speakers everywhere. We had all the restaurant full of people, and, and uh, we just jammed out right that's there in the cool. restaurant. That's yeah. awesome. Right between the steaks and the french fries. But, but Becky, yeah, I just go. got realizing something that uh, we've had, we haven't had a ton of episodes yet, and we've had three people from Australia, and they're oh, all singers. True. They're all singers. What is yeah. up with that? Yeah. Well, who's the and, other singers? Who Karen, Karen Jacobson. Karen Jacobson, who is the she, GPS lady. She's the voice oh, of yes. all the right. GPSs, yes. and yes. she's a great singer. And then Emmanuel Kelly. So. Emmanuel Kelly's from Australia? Yeah. I he had is. no idea. Melbourne. Yeah, from Melbourne. Oh, Melbourne. Thank you yeah. for saying it yeah. correctly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. It's Melbourne. not Melbourne. <laughs> it's Melbourne. 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 Yes. Yep, yep, that's where he's from. So, Anyway, well, it's great. Another singer. And so tell us your story. You, you, you sold everything and left Australia. What, what kind of background did you have before that? What, what kind of uh, oh. vocation were you? Well, I get into absolute trouble, but I used to always call myself a dumb carpenter. And, and I say that for mm -hmm. a specific reason, and it's not to be self-deprecating. It is that I don't have any education other than a high school diploma. And I, I got into carpentry. Um, I, I served a mission for my church, a voluntary mission. And then after that, uh, married very quickly. And we had five children. Uh, we, we were married for about 13 to 14 years. And uh, then we divorced. I moved on into business. I, I, I had a carpentry company, and th that was so much fun. It was called Apple Gap, and I made tables and chairs and 
all kinds of uh, furniture, furnishings for the house. We did stairwells. We did things for restaurants, uh, corporate tables. Wow. When you said carpentry, I, was, I have always thought that you were a framer or something like that or a finished carpenter. You, were, you built furniture. Yes. Well, I started as a, as a framer. I actually worked in a museum. We, we got to restore old-fashioned homes. So we did everything from the, the reframing of the homes and the stairwells then to refinishing and, and restoring the furniture that had been damaged. So I got to learn all of it. Wow. And, and I just we moved into furniture. I loved it. I set up a, a company, and it, it went kind of worldwide, and it was so much fun. Then we, uh, my wife and I, at the time, we divorced. And, I, and, and China just came alive. And they could make these machines where you could put a tree in one end and a chair would come out the other. <laughs> and, and it was just – it was too difficult to compete. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I moved into business consulting and, and I got into that sort of – actually, one of my clients who had ordered a corporate board table, the funny story there was you jump on every single opportunity always when, and, and learn to recognize when the door opens and run through it. I was installing this table – the owner of the company was gone. This disgruntled customer came in. He was really angry, and I settled him down, and we had a chat about his issues. And the guy was so happy, he called the boss and said, I want you to keep this guy. Don't ever fire him. And the guy says, well, he doesn't even actually work for me. <laughs> so three months later, I was the general manager of his company and uh, as a consultant. Mm-hmm. And so we got into mining, mining consulting, and that took me kind of all over the the world. And then I just realized I'm tired of helping other people do their thing. So can can I tell the story of the, of what really kicked me in the guts? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. But just like before you start that story, because I know it's a serious story. I kept thinking that when you said you would become a consultant, that you were going to tell everybody, invest in that machine that takes a tree and turns it into a chair. Yes. <laughs> no. I, oh, don't even get me started on that. that, that is, that's killed manufacturing industry. Yes. China's, China's ability to automate things has really killed the manufacturing industry. And the, the craftsmanship. Uh, and the, yeah, and it's all gone. And as you can see on my left wrist here, I have a band that says create, and I have to be involved in things that create. I want to create, and I want to create beautiful things. I, again, from, from the beliefs of my own personal faith, I am a Christian. I believe, literally, when the scriptures say that we are to be like our Father in heaven. And the very first principle that's introduced to us in any scriptures in the Christian faith, the first principle is not faith, it's not repentance, it's not baptism, it's not kindness, it's not love, it's creation. The very first thing we're exposed to is creating God created everything, and I want to be like him. I want to be a creator. I've not come from a wonderful childhood. I I was never safe in my own home. I'm not exactly sure how deep we get into this, but there was lots of sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse. For the first basically 12 years of my life, I learned how to manage this. I learned how to avoid certain situations and cope with other situations when I couldn't avoid them. I learned very quickly how to, I guess, separate myself from what was going on to realize that it's not me. What's happening is not what I want to happen. And I began to create my own world in my head. And that helped me stay sane, basically. I was so glad when I turned 18 and I I left and served a mission and I got away from my family situation. I'm grateful for those things. I, I try not to ever sound like I'm a victim. And, and I also never say that somebody has it worse than me because everyone has it worse than everybody else. And everyone else has it better than everybody else because it's an individual life. And my experiences are mine and they're important to me. 
And just because you didn't experience what I experienced doesn't mean you didn't have it bad and that you didn't have it wonderful. So I, right. I, I think right. it's a very personal perspective. I was grateful to get on, out of that. And I got into a marriage and I wanted to create my own life. And I realized that, wait, she wants nothing that I want. <laughs> it's like, oops. <laughs> we married very quickly based on our faith. And, and we tried really hard. And bless her, she's brought five beautiful children into the world uh, in four births. Figure that one out. <laughs> we had a set of twins. Uh, I actually remarried. And that lasted for about seven years. And I just wasn't finding a place where I could create. So I decided I'm just going to go on with my life. I've got beautiful kids and now six children. My first wife was moving away and the older kids moved in with me. And it was wonderful. I moved into this wonderful place uh, in Perth, Western Australia, wonderful congregation uh, in my church. And there was this little blonde filly and she (laughs) sat alone for the first three Sundays that I went to this church. And I thought, That's the one for me. And I worked my magic and my charm, and she totally shut me down every time. And, but eventually we started getting to know each other, and we started dating. And in about nine months, I was ready. I wanted to marry her, and my kids loved her. Then this lump showed up in my back. It grew very quickly, and I went and had it looked at, and we had it biopsied, and they took out what they could, and it was kind of wrapped around my spine. And I got a phone call from this sweet girl of mine who wanted to come around and talk to me. I know you guys have heard this story, but if I can set it up for your listeners, I had just come from the surgery that day. I was very excited and expecting full well that she would come up and say, I'm with you. I just want you to know that I love you. And no matter what happens, we're together always. Because I had finally felt like God had given me everything I'd ever wanted. I just wanted to be a husband with a partner. I wanted to have a life with my kids in it. I wanted to create beautiful things. So she comes over, sits down, and she says, I'd like to talk to you. And I said, great. And she looks at me and says, I'm getting married. And I said, oh, no. I know. And, you know, <laughs> big elbow in her side. And I'm like, I know. And I pointed to me and she said, no, I need to tell you something. And she'd accepted another man's proposal. And she'd been dating this guy for a long time. I looked at her and wished her well. And I walked out of my house. I didn't have any keys or phone, money. I was wearing cowboy boots and I took off north and I was going to walk forever. I was just going to walk until I was dead. And I said every offensive thing I could say to God. I yelled at him. I tried to be as vulgar as I could to get him to go away from me because, you know, the spirit can't be around evil things. (laughs) I wanted to be as evil and ugly as possible. I wanted him to leave me alone. I'm done with his plan. It's a joke. It's too cruel. After everything he's put me through, this is so unfair to have one more betrayal, one more setup, and like like Lucy's holding the football, and here comes Charlie coming to kick it, and she promises this time it's, he's, she's not going to pull it away, and God pulled that football away, and I was done with him, and I walked. I think it was about eight hours. I wonder if any of our listeners, as they're listening to this story right now, have have had a similar moment, whether it's even along those same lines of what you're saying, but to have had that moment where they just felt that God had turned his back on him. He did. He absolutely turned his back on me. That was my, I, I was convinced of this and I was getting more, more and more annoyed because every time I told him to go away, I, I said, you go do your thing and I'm <laughs> going to do my thing. You just leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. And I kept feeling God say, you know, that's cool. Do you mind if I tag along with you? <laughs> and I'm like, no, go away. Leave me alone. And he says, I'll, I'll just tag along. I'll just be a few steps behind you. So I finally calmed down 
turned around, I had to walk back. And I, I spoke with my children. They were upset and, and I was very, very upset. But I got back to the house and a long walk like that really calms a man down like myself with a, when I'm just, I'm furious with life and I'm done with life. To just go for a walkabout. I went on a walkabout. <laughs> yes, that's what I did. So I get back and I apologize to my kids for the drama. Uh, I was tired. I was avoiding having to actually talk to God again because I knew that I needed to apologize to him. So I went out of shower, calmed down, got onto my knees. And, and th- it's this moment that changed everything for me and helped me in my own personal search for my understanding of Heavenly Father, God the Father. I got down and I said, I'm a jerk and I'm sorry. And we read the kind of God in the Old Testament where he might say, Behold, thou art cursed among all because of thy foul language and thou shalt be destroyed you know, instantly. Or I shall send rocks and fire and plagues upon thee and thy house. You know, this, that sort of thing where you kind of expect. Because that's, that's, that's what I was going for. That's I really wanted to be destroyed. Yes, just, yes, just get out of my life. And instead, I was filled with such tremendous peace. And instead of him getting all upset and offended, he said, okay, great. Now what do you want to do? I was almost whiplashed because I was expecting to be told off and that I would have to serve for the rest of my life in some very humble calling to pay penance for my sins. And my father spoke to me as my father and said, okay, what do you want to do now? And that scared me to death because I really felt like he was actually asking me my opinion. He said, what do you want to do? He didn't have a predestined plan. He didn't say, okay, now I command you to go do this. He said, what do you want to do? And as a, somebody who wants to create his life his own way, that was such, such clear language for me. What I've always wanted to do is music. I, I just want to create music. Not to be a superstar or to have fancy boats and lots of houses. I just want a car that runs and, and a home that keeps me warm and, and a beautiful family and create music. So I said, I want to do my music. And he said, okay. And that was our conversation. It wasn't that I was foreordained to do this or I've been commanded to do this or it's written before time began. This is the fable. And, you know, <laughs> it, it was, okay, go do it. So I did. I, I looked at the industry. I looked at what was required. There were some phenomenal things placed in my way instantly to allow me to come to the U.S. I met with Grammy Award winners. I, I went to the U.S. to spend a Christmas in the snow uh, that first Christmas. And my next door neighbor was Charlie Colleen, who wrote Drops of Jupiter from the band Train. And I played him the only song I'd ever recorded. And he fell in love with me. I was an instant fan. And he brought me into the industry. And then he fell off the wagon and disappeared. And so I was left to my own again. And time and time again, I've been left on my own, uh, where I thought I could partner up with somebody. And the Lord's gently saying, you go do it your way. I've told this story all over the world. I've I've spoken to many people in different formats and venues. And there's a lot of people who have suffered a lot of abuse or a lot of betrayal, physical, emotional, mental, or even illnesses, and, and they really struggle with it. And the reason why I call myself a dumb carpenter, if I can get where I am now, and I'll tell you where I am right now, I have my own film production studio. I have released eight records, two of which were number one with a, a major distributor in the West. I've had two number one singles, one number one in Australia. I am producing a documentary series that Showtime wants to pick up. 
I have received thousands of messages of gratitude for music that is beautiful and has changed people's lives. But sadly, dozens of messages where people have said, we were in the throes of taking our own life and we heard one of your songs. And you literally, your music has literally saved our lives. And all of these things. That's why you create. Yes. For those moments. Uh, absolutely. If, if, there's, if there's any way that anything I find beautiful will help someone else, I want to be a part of that. So if I can do this and you're listening to me today and listening to us and you have had some kind of similar experiences, there's no excuse. Go and create your life. That's awesome. I love it. Another takeaway that I I didn't want to, I want to make sure we cover is the fact that you said you wanted to be like God and create because that's what he was so good at. And then you mentioned later that when you had that moment and you were in in a fit and screaming and yelling at him, you wanted so badly for him to fight back. That's what people always look for in a fight is somebody to fight back. Yeah. And when they don't fight back, it takes all the fun out of the fight. <laughs> and, and he just sat there and was patient. Could we learn to be like that? I wonder if that's something that we could do. So when we're having a, a conflict with, with a friend or a relative or a spouse or significant other, could we take a step back and just let, it, let them beat upon us for a while and then just say, okay, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go from here? That's excellent. Yeah. Yeah, that's for person-to-person relationships. That's, yeah, that's uh, I, I've never even thought of that. Thank great, you. Great takeaway. Oh, 22 minutes goes fast. Thank you so much for joining us, Cactus Jack. And we need you to sing. We're going to leave playing your music. I know that my Redeemer What comfort this sweet sentence gives He lives, He lives who once was dead He lives my ever-living He lives to bless me with his love. He lives to plead for me above. And while he lives, I'll sing 
my prophet, priest, and king. He lives all glory to his name. He lives, my Savior, still the same. Connect and follow Paul Cactus Jack Lamar at his website of the same name, www.paulcactusjacklamar.com. Thanks, Cactus Jack. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. It's been awesome. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us, and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage humor, and a whole lot of love.